Thank you, Holly, for sharing your story. Where are you, Holly? There she is, right over there. Grateful for her and her witness in our community and our world, and we're grateful for you and what God is doing through you. And we're in John chapter 4, looking at the narrative of the Samaritan woman, the encounter that she had with Jesus at the well in Samaria. And we are taking this piece by piece and looking and seeing what Jesus is doing, how he is doing it, how he's drawing her toward the good news of the gospel. And today we're going to see him using a very common metaphor, the metaphor of water, and turning a question about water into a question about living water. Now, Jesus is the master of this. He is the glorious Savior. He is wonderful Jesus. And these pictures of him in the New Testament indicate what a glorious and wonderful Savior he is to us. He is winsome. He draws us to himself. And he has great skill in telling a story and in drawing a picture or making a metaphor about spiritual truth from very common and ordinary things in our world. And so here he uses water. In another place he uses bread. And he talks about being the bread of life. In another place he talks about light. And then I am the light of the world. He talks about birds. He talks about flowers. He talks about sheep and sheepfolds and shepherds. And with all of these very common things in his day, he points people to the God who loves them. It's a lesson to learn. It's, it's an important thing to, to internalize. Even with water, water's still just as important today as it was back then. In fact, it's front page news in a lot of places. Water's important. So we could still use the metaphor of water to talk to people about living water. Let's see how Jesus does it in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman. Remember that his disciples have left and gone into the town to get some food. And he sits down, tired as he was, by the well. And while he's sitting there, a Samaritan woman comes, it's about noon, to draw water out of this well. And Jesus says to her, will you give me a drink? And that's where the story picks up in verse 9 of John chapter 4. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus has a better question for the lady. I like her question. I think it's a good question. In fact, it's an intriguing question. She asks, how can you? He says, will you give me a drink? She says, how can you? How can you, a Jew, ask me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? How can you? But Jesus has a better question for her. Embedded in his response to her is this question. How can I get living water? That's the question that's embedded in his response to her. How can I find living water? Now, the woman of Samaria would never have thought of this question. 
She just wouldn't have known to ask it. It wouldn't have occurred to her to ask about living water. But it is the better question. And Jesus knows that her response, how can you, is really a secondary question. It's not the real question of her heart. There's something deeper within her. There's another question, more fundamental. It's a question about life and how to live, and how to make it through the day, and how to find the path you're supposed to be on, and what God has for you, and what you're supposed to do next in life, these kind of questions, and how can I stop being afraid all the time? The real fundamental question is there in the human heart. Sometimes it's reflected in our speech. Jesus knows it's the need of this woman because it's the need of every single person on the planet. Everybody needs living water. But not everybody knows how to ask. And so Jesus gives her a better question. The question is predicated upon is built upon two things she needs to know. It's as if he says to the woman, if you only knew, if you only knew. And it's true about this woman at the well. If she knew. And it's true about the person who sits next to you at the boardroom or the break room or the classroom. It's true about them too. If they knew. They'd formulate the question differently if they knew two things. If they knew these things, it would change the way they approach life and maybe how they have a discussion with you. If you knew, Jesus says, two things. The gift of God and who is speaking to you. Two things. If you knew the gift of God, and number two, the person who is speaking to you right now, it would change the nature of your question. So Jesus is opening up the conversation now, all right? He's turning it in a different way. He's using this question about a drink from the well to steer her toward a hunger that is deeper and a thirst that is deeper in her heart. If you only knew the gift of God. He doesn't deal with the existence of God. Most of the people that you sit next to, that you have these brief encounters with, these chance encounters with, people who come to you with questions, most of those people believe in God already, just like the woman of Samaria believes in God. Most people on the planet believe there's a God somewhere, a God who made the world, perhaps, and, and a vast majority of people believe that. So Jesus isn't asking, do you believe there's a God? There's something else she needs to know. She needs to know the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God. Say, do you know the gift of God? Do you know the gift of God? Gifts are important. Most of the gifts you get have a to line and a from line somewhere on them. So it announces who it is for and who it is from. A gift is very personal. 
You buy it specifically for somebody. So it's from me to you. Now, Janet and I headed toward Mississippi for an ordination service a week ago after we got done with worship. And we took with us Mike and Madeline Edens. And I looked back in the back seat and I saw this silver package sitting in the back seat and I assumed that it was the Edens package for the person who was being ordained. And so we drove along for some time and Madeline and Mike saw the package and they assumed it was something that Janet and I were giving to somebody. It was obviously a gift. So on the way back, after a couple hours of riding with this package, we realized in discussion that the package did not belong to either one of us. <laughs> Neither one of us, in fact, had put it in the car. Well, who's this gift from? And finally, Madeline says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Christy Gibson got in the car with a, a gift. It's Christy's gift. Okay, okay, we know it's Christy's gift, so we'll text Christy, and we'll tell her that her gift is in the car, and she won't have to worry about it. So she texts gift, uh, Christy, and Christy texts back and says, that's not my gift. Wave your hand, Christy. It's not my gift. No, it belongs to D. D, wave your hand. There, it's, it's D's gift. So D is giving his gift to Abby Nix, to whom I delivered the gift a couple of days late, all right? But it only got there because I finally discovered, discovered who was giving the gift to whom, all right? Okay, there is a gift. It's not from just anybody. It's from God. God is the sender. Now, this is really good news. If you thought God was impersonal, if you thought that God was just judge, jury, and executioner of the universe, if that's who you thought God was, this is great news. We're going to start. Jesus says, if you only knew the gift of God, God is the gift giver. His gifts are really good. They're great gifts. Amen. And it indicates how he knows you. He's personal. He's got a connection to you. If you knew, Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God... If you get out of that box, you're in about God. And if you let God be who he really is, if you just knew that God has a gift for you, if you knew the gift of God, it would change the question that you ask. You say, well, what is this gift, this gift of God? Well, it is described in the Bible as eternal life. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says, the wages of sin is death. And I had a conversation with a missionary who's been working on translating this into another language. And he was a little miffed with another missionary who translated the word wages as reward. And he said, that word means paycheck. That's what it means. So the paycheck of sin is death. That's what Romans 6, 23 says. The paycheck of sin is death. Now, there are some people who think God's going to give them a paycheck. 
They work hard all their life. They're a good dad. They're a good father. They are a good part of the community. They try to be honest and treat others as good as they treat themselves and those kind of things. And so one day when they get before God, God's going to give them the paycheck. You have earned it. You've done good on your walk through the earth. And so here's your paycheck. You get to come to heaven. And they think the wages God is going to give them is the paycheck for eternal life. They're going to come, they're going to be able to enter heaven because of all the good things they've done. God owes them when they show up at his gate. Now, you know that's dead wrong, don't you? See, if you're looking for a paycheck as a human who's lived on the planet here, about your behavior, the things you've done, the words you've spoken, the life you've lived, your paycheck is death. The wages of sin is death. If you're depending on God owing you one day, you got this backwards, you owe God, you're a sinner, and the wages of sin is death, and you will never live with God in heaven because he owes you that spot in heaven. That's never going to happen, ever. You got the whole thing backwards. If you think your behavior is going to get you a place in heaven, you have missed the good news. Because when you think about it, you know you're not that good. Amen. You know that. You know you're a sinner. Everybody knows that. Now, we minimize our sins. I confess you, that is true. My sins are smaller than yours, all right? You do the big ones, I do the little ones. All right? Everybody knows that. There is a moral order in my universe, and my sins are smaller than yours. That's true anywhere you go. I can take you to the prison right now. We can go to death row. We can talk to prisoners on death row who have murdered people. And their sins are smaller than other people in prison. I've had them tell me that. Well, yeah, I did kill somebody, but I tell you, I don't rape people. Because that's the really big stuff. And it's true, we have this fanciful, mythical order of sin in our brain, and we think we're pretty good. But ultimately, we all know that we're sinners. And so the verse ends up saying this, the wages of sin, the paycheck of sin is death. But, but, the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you knew the gift of God, that God wants to give you free, already paid for, eternal life. If you knew this, if you only knew this, did you know this? Did you know prior to this moment, did you know God has a gift for you, the gift of eternal life? It's a true gift. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. God gives it freely out of his own heart. Jesus paid the price for our sins so that God may give us free of charge to us eternal life. It's the only way to receive eternal life is to receive it as a free gift to a sinner rescued by the grace of God. Jesus says, if you only knew 
the gift of God. See, if you knew who God really is to you and how much he loves you and how he wants you in his family, if you just knew this, it would change your question. It changed the way you approach life. Second thing, if you only knew the gift of God and if you knew who's speaking to you right now. See, do you know the gift of God and do you know who's talking to you? The woman of Samaria didn't know. She didn't know who Jesus was. Later on, she makes a guess. You must be a prophet. And that's a, that's a good guess. People have called Jesus a prophet for a long time, but that's not the whole story. She doesn't know. Although Jesus is fully man, he's not simply man. He is the Savior of the world and the Son of God, and that's who she's having a conversation with. If you knew who's speaking to you, you would change your question from how can you to will you give me living water? You know God speaks, right? You know God speaks. You know he speaks to people. He speaks to you. If you knew that it was God speaking to you, would it change how you felt about the prompting in your heart? You feel drawn. You don't really know why. You feel convicted. You feel bad about something that you've done. You're not sure why it's on your heart so. Could it be God? Could God be dealing with you about something you've done, about the condition of your life? Maybe you don't understand what's what's happening with the people around you and, and people are starting to ask questions and interacting with you and you're wondering, why is that happening? Why are these people saying these things to me? Could it be God? I mean, could God be speaking to you? Do you know who's speaking to you? Those strange circumstances in your life that you've written off as coincidence. Isn't that interesting that these things happen like they did? And you, you thought, well, maybe, maybe there's something going on here. And then you dismissed it and said, no, no, I don't believe God's speaking to me. And you go on. See, if you knew who was speaking to you with the prompting of your heart, the drawing of your heart, that conviction of sin, those people in your life who say these things to you, these circumstances that have unsettled you, if you knew who was speaking to you through all these things, it would change the question that you're asking about life. If you knew who it is that speaks to you, be careful that you don't immediately say, no, that's not God. That can't be God. Because God is at work all around us. Jesus said, my Father is at work to this very day. And I, too, am working. So the Father is at work to this very day. And he's at work in and around your life. So do not assume that it's, that it's not God. In fact, be careful when you say, no, that's not God. That's not God shaking my life up. That's not God drawing me this way. That's not God bringing these questions to my mind. Be careful that you don't say that's not God. 
You can push God so far away that you'll never ask him again. You know, the real unpardonable sin is refusing to acknowledge that God speaks and works in you. It is refusing to acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit, which is to convict us and to draw us, to help us see ourselves and also help us see God. So don't push God away. If things are going on in your life, you're wondering what's next and, and you have questions, why not say, hey, could this be God speaking to me at work in me? See, if you knew the gift of God and what a gracious and wonderful God he is, and if you knew who's speaking to you, you'd have a different question. So I'm asking you, do you know the gift of God? Do you know who's speaking to you? He's a gracious and good God. He made you. He cares about you. He loves you. And he's drawing you to himself in all the circumstances, situations, people, things that are swirling in your life. Do you know about living water? I'm just asking. Do you know about living water? I think we know about dying water. All right? We have a generation of people, apparently, that think less of life than maybe others have. We have a group of people in our city who are killing and being killed, and we hear about the violence day after day, and you wonder, how in the world can these things happen? How can people do these things and it seems like they have no value on another person's life or on their own life either? There's, there's no value. It's like it's all about death, darkness, trouble, sorrow. It's like the ultimate reality of everything is just dying. Do you know we had two teenagers that killed themselves this past week? who were part of Mandeville High School. Did you read about that? A 17-year-old who shot himself. The other high school student did a video before he shot himself. And in the video, he says, Hey, so I'm killing myself. Goodbye. A scriptwriter described the effect of a suicide bomber who steps into a crowd of people and detonates himself, takes out 17 people. The people closest to him are the ones most damaged, some of them damaged beyond recognition. And then the scriptwriter said, every suicide is a suicide bomb that takes out the people closest to you. The people who you love the most, the people that love you the most, the people who have invested most in your life, what are we doing? Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you, 
You'd ask him for living water because that's what you need. You need the water to live on. You're going through a tough time in your life and maybe there's despair and trouble and even desperation and you need some living water to make it through this time. This time is just temporary, but you need a drink of the living water to make it through. Some of you have heartaches beyond comprehension that you cannot even describe and you need some living water to get you through the day and the week and the month and the year and the life that God's given to you. There is living water available and it is available in abundance. Jesus came that you might have life, not death. That you might have life and might have it abundantly in an overflowing kind of way. That's why God sent his son Jesus to this planet. And your life is incredibly important to God who made you. And you are of great value in his sight. And he has prepared a wonderful gift that he wants to give to you. You've underestimated both him and the life that he's given you and all that he can do in you. And Jesus said, if you only knew the wonder of this gift and the person who's speaking to you, you'd ask for living water and it'd change your life. You wouldn't ever have to come to this well again to draw because the water would flow inside of you. That's what you need. And you know that you need it. You know you need it every day. And you're wondering where it is. And sometimes you think there is no living water. I don't know why I get up in the morning and go to work. I can't even figure it out. I've had people tell me. I don't know why I'm alive. I should be dead. I don't know why. Here's why. You are taking in your next breath because there is a wonderful Father in heaven who made you, and every breath is a gift from him, and you are alive so that you might know him and live in him in a way that is abundant and full and all the things you desperately long for, to be loved, to have peace, to have joy, to have hope, these things come in, come in God and God alone. Jesus Christ, the Messiah and Savior, brings these things to the human heart. Jesus wants to change your question from how can you to where do I get this living water? And he wants to put in you this fountain that never runs dry. There is a way to live your life that is full of joy and peace because it is full of him. He himself is this life which he offers. He himself. It's not a religious system. It's not religious organization. It's not rules and regulations. It's none of that. It's Christ himself who is our life. Do you know the gift of God? Do you know who's speaking to you right now, then ask him for the living water. Bow with me, please. Bow your head, and if you've never trusted Christ,
trust him now. Know that he's talking to you through his word, through this story. This is in literature, in the Bible, so that you might know him. Ask him to forgive your sin, to come into your life and be your savior and set flowing that artesian well of living water. He promised to this Samaritan woman and promises to you if you'll trust him. If you've already trusted him, but you're in a dry time, would you in faith reach out to the God who renews us again and again? and ask for the living water during this dry spell in your life, during this time of difficulty, sorrow or pain, uncertainty or confusion, God, would you give your living water to that young lady who needs it desperately, to that young man who's struggling at his work, to that teenager who's worried about who she is, who he is and what they're going to do in the world, to that man who's just been fired, to that person who's grieving the loss of a loved one. Lord Jesus, would you provide the living water today? Would you pour it into this room? Would you fill it up with your living water? Would you pour it into our hearts, God? Make us open. Open us up. Lord, let us know your gift, your gift of eternal life, this wonderful quality of life that never dies. Lord, let us experience your presence knowing who you are, your forgiveness of sin and the new life you give. God, do your work in us. Have your way in us. Help us listen and respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.